The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. He's the owner of Durban Race Management, responsible for such races as the Land Between the Lakes 50 Miler, the Tunnel Hill Races, uh, Strolling Gym, the Barkley Fall Classic, even the virtual race with over 18,000 entrants. That's the great virtual run across Tennessee with Laz. Steve Durbin is on the Adventure Jogger podcast. Steve, welcome. Uh, thanks ryan you're giving me uh too much credit though i can tell you already well let's start at the beginning before we talk about this incredible virtual race with eighteen thousand entrants which by the way i am one of them and i believe i'm still in memphis as of the recording of this (laughs) and we'll talk about that uh in just a little bit steve what's your what's your running story what got you into this crazy world of ultra running and then eventually race directing ultras yeah, sure. Uh, I grew up in Western Kentucky, and I was uh, oh an all-state runner in high school, cross country, and and two mile was the limit we could we could run back in those days in the early seventies. So um, I just always enjoyed long distance running. Kind of got out of it for the longest time. Uh, got back in because my brother was a really good runner. He went to. Uh, Fulton, Missouri on a track scholarship, cross country scholarship. So they, he was running regularly and he got me back into running. So I was probably 44 ish at the time. And, you know, I thought marathon was as far as anybody went. And my big goals were to qualify for Boston. And um, I did that on the second attempt, missed it by a minute or so on the first attempt. And then I started reading about uh, ultras, and I was like, damn, I didn't know anybody ran further than a marathon. So I found the Umstead 100 and ran in 2004. So uh, after that year, I think Ultra Running Magazine had a list of all the runners from each state that had run 100. Mm -hmm. Back then, that was a big deal because there were only maybe, what, 16 or 17 of them in the whole I think I was the only person from Kentucky to run a hundred uh, in 2004. So uh, it just kept expanding. We thought, Hey, you know, it'd be kind of cool to put our own race on. We had gone down to the MS 50, the Carl touchdown MS 50. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with that, but my brother and I and a couple of friends went there and we thought it was really cool. So from there spawned uh, the land between the lakes trail run. And the first year we had it was 2004. Now this year we had our 18th running. Yeah. So yeah, it's gone well. Um, started modestly and and it's kind of grown from there. It's kind of cool how it's all worked. Well, how the heck did you get mixed up with Laz? Okay, um, I read about the Barkley Marathons one year. I don't even know what magazine it was in. Obviously, before its crazy popularity right. now. And I thought that's got to be the, I was reading about, you need a license plate and you're trying to go through this briars and stuff. If if that's not the coolest thing I've ever read about, I don't know what is. So someone told me that, that Laz, Gary Cantrell directed Strolling Jim. So we decided to go down to Strolling Jim and 2006 was the first year with the express purpose of trying to get a red sub seven shirt yeah. running on seven hours and to meet last while we were there. So, uh, I made this sub seven by 11 seconds. That's, that's a whole nother story. How, how that came about, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, we can pause. If you want to go into that story of getting that red shirt, <laughs> By just seconds, we can go ahead and pick this Laz thing up because that sounds like a heck of a story. I have the red shirt well uh, as well. I'm I'm very proud of it. Uh, yeah, eleven seconds. How did how'd that all go down, Steve? Let's talk some stroll, some old school stroll and gym. 
okay, so we're down there and we were going to, you know, how when you go with three other guys, you're going to all run together. Right? right. So everything we saw was Strolling Jim 40 miler, right? Yeah. The, the, the logo, Strolling Jim 40 miler, everything says Strolling Jim 40 miler. So we had our watches and we were decent at, at knowing pace. You didn't have a good GPS watch back then. But Laz has it written all over the place what the pace is for red shirts, blue shirts, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we take off. Uh, one of our buddies left right away, and and we're running along, and we hadn't been even a mile yet. And so we see on the road bad dogs next 40 miles. <laughs> I, I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Because when you first start seeing it, you think, hey, they're warning you about a bad dog up ahead. Right. No, it's the whole thing. <laughs> then, then the next thing you see, this is not a hill. Right. Uh, and all the cool things written on the road. And we think, this is, this is awesome. And we run along, and my brother drops back, and me and another friend, we're keeping an eye on pace, and we're thinking, you know, uh, we got that red shirt. All we have to do is just keep going. So with, with about two miles to go, I mentioned to Kelly that, hey, uh, we could almost walk it in from here and get it. So – we didn't run another 10 strides and on the road is painted 5k to go <laughs> start. Yeah. Start kick now. And, and we're like, what? It's supposed to be two miles to go. It's, a, <laughs> it's the strolling gym 40 miler. Come on. Surely he's kidding. It's last. Surely he's probably just kidding us. And, and so we, I speed up and I'm running along. Cause what if he's not kidding? What if it is 5k to go? And uh, I leave poor Kelly behind because I'm running the fastest I have all day. Get to the Cannon Road um, water stop there, and it's got two miles to go on a sign. And I asked the aid station person that, is, is it really two miles? And, you know, it's not supposed to be two miles. It's supposed to be a 40-mile 40, 40 run. And there was uh, another runner there, and he kind of looks at me and he goes, well, what's the big deal? Uh, two miles ago. So I, I didn't say anything. I just took off running, uh, ran like crazy, get close. And, and there's a guy in a chair yelling, hurry up. And uh, so I run across, I make it by 11 seconds. And this dude sitting in the lawn chair hands me an index card with, with my number and uh, the time on it. Yeah. Here, take it over to the girl in the Pepsi concession trailer. So I take it over there, I hand it to her. And she hands me my red shirt and I look at it on the turn it over and on the back says sub seven. I'm like, yeah. And so while I'm there basking in my glory, the guy who asked me what the big deal was comes up and he gets turns in his car and he's this gray shirt and he turns it around. There's nothing on the back. And I said, okay, that's the big deal. And he was like, oh, okay. Uh, but so I'll walk over to the guy in the lawn chair. And, you know, somebody told me, that's the guy over there. That's the guy that does the Barkley. Yeah. And so I asked him, hey, uh, are you the Barkley Marathon director? And he's like, uh, who's asking? Why Why do you need to know? And I'm like, well, I, I read about I think it's the coolest race I've ever heard of. And I'd love to find out more about it. And he goes, well, maybe you're um, dumb enough to be able to do the Barkley then. And <laughs> which is such a last thing to say. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know verbatim, but it, it, it was about like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was watching him on the ultra list. I don't know if you were ever on that, but he mentioned wanting to do a, journey walk and so i immediately said yeah i want to do it and it was going to be over memorial day uh no labor day weekend that same year as strolling gym and i wanted to do it and dirk thompson from murray um i don't know if you know dan thompson but he's one of the original ultra runners that ran across states and stuff back um in the 60s and ran a lot of miles with laz so it was just uh Dirt, me and Laz supposed to do it, and Dirt bailed on me the day before, and so I met Laz at at um, um, 
oh, the place up uh, Real Foot Lake area yeah. where we were going to finish. Yeah. And he had his old uh, Willis truck, you know, his Jeep. Yeah. And we left my car there and we hopped in his truck and we headed down to Memphis to start because it was going to be 100 miles and we were going to have three days to do it. And so I got to talk to him a lot and spent a hell of a lot of time talking about different things for three days, you know, because I was worried about, can I keep up with this guy running? And we ran about the first mile and walked the rest. (laughs) (laughs) So you get three days, you're walking with Laz. Uh And if uh-huh, and if uh-huh. you've never met Laz, of course Laz, the the genius behind the Barkley Marathons, as, as as well as other races. If you've not done Strolling Gym, it's in Wartrace, Tennessee. It's always the first Saturday in May, and I think it's a must for any ultra runner. It's a, it's a road race, but, I, but what I love about it is it's it's got hills, it's old school. Um, Laz trash talks to you he actually writes on the road like these are two lane highways in the middle of rural tennessee and you'll come across the the various trash talk that that steve was talking about like these aren't hills and you better kick it now and you know i I don't walk and it's 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 a great great classic race but laz is probably the most fascinating person or one of them on the face of the planet earth, because like, if you ever read his Facebook posts, they're 27 paragraphs long (laughs) and they're like, it's like detailed records of the flora and fauna of the area he's walking in. What were those three days? Like this guy, you just, you met him at a race, you know, 11 seconds, you get this red shirt. What was it like those three days of walking with Laz? Oh, it was incredible. Uh, you find out whatever you want to know. I could just ask him a question and get him started, and that would get us through the next uh, <laughs> uh, 30 minutes or so And until I ask him another question. I just found him fascinating. He's you know, truly one of the great storytellers of our time and uh, a real genius when it comes to uh, – to being creative. So I really enjoyed it and I wound up spending, I don't know if you ever saw the Barkley documentary, but when he shows his big map of Tennessee yeah. with all, okay, well just he and I did probably the last 20 counties. Oh, so wow. I spent thousands of miles walking with Laz and you know, some of, some of our races came from those walks where you're just walking and talking about different stuff, throwing ideas out and all. So you gave me credit for some things that really it's, they're a last, they're co-directed with last, like yeah. the Barkley Park classic. That's uh, we started that one. And, and uh, because we were kind of both unemployed <laughs> and we needed, <laughs> we needed something to go. We, we were talked Mike Melton into giving uh Strolling Jim back. Mike had watched watched it for four or five years while Laz was having some health issues. So we took Strolling Jim back. I said, "Let's get it. I'll help you direct it." So we we do that together. That same year, we started the Barkley Paul Classic, and um, you know we really haven't looked back since then. We've just been very fortunate. Well, you think about Steve the 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 Barkley, the big Barkley, which. Which you kind of got into Barkley mm-hmm. in a rather mm-hmm. unique way. You you kind of were able to skip a lot of a lot of hoops, if you will. <laughs> can you can you share the story about how you got into your first Barkley? Yeah, sure. So we're walking along actually at on the on the great walk, you know, uh, Labor Day weekend that time when we talked a lot about Barkley, and uh, so he told me what to do to get in, and in those days. Not everybody had internet at home or emails and all that right. stuff. So I actually drove down to the office the night, the correct, on the correct night and set up a, uh, an auto response, you know, yeah. where it was supposed to send out the message to last, like you were supposed to do at the correct time. Yeah. Well, the next morning I'm checking, I'm checking and evidently it didn't go through. So he sent an email to me that said, I thought you wanted to be in, so you're in. And he, <laughs> it 
I mean, this was before, you know, there were, I don't know how many thousands are trying to get in it now, but this was, you know, maybe 50, 60, 70 people were trying to get in it back then. And he actually wanted me to be in it. So that was cool. And I, I went, went on to run in it six different times. My favorite race by far of any race I've ever done. How many laps have you completed, Steve? Two, two within the time limit. So, and I knew the reverse loop very well that year. So I, I felt confident that I could have done at least the fun run, but Jack, my knee sliding down, um, the Neil butt slide, it caught on. It's so steep that you can't run down it. So you kind of scoot on your butt with yeah. your feet out, out front and it caught on a stop or something and jerked it back underneath me and kind of wrenched it. i struggled to finish i had maybe 30 minutes where i could have gone back out i had already paid for big sir that was coming up a couple weeks after that so you know i thought well why risk it right so i got bugled out and i've regretted it ever since (laughs) that was a mistake even if even if i could have only gone halfway or whatever i should have done it It, it's a mistake because you never know if you'll ever be back there again to that spot. I just love and the I thing. I just love the thing, Steve, about you. You know, everybody gets so wound up about Barkley and, and, and signing up and doing the right thing. And they contact this person and they get uh-huh. this piece of information and they puzzle it all together and they put it in in the hopes that maybe uh, Laz will read it. Maybe he'll let them in. You, uh-huh. you got in like your email didn't even work and you got in. Yeah, <laughs> those are those are different times. Of course, and I still get messages all the time asking me how do I get in the Barclay, and I said that's most of the fun. You need to figure that out yourself. So please don't email Steve Durbin asking him how to get into the Barclay because he's not going <laughs> to tell you. He said that. No, in, in the olden days, uh, when it started to become more popular, people would help, and then they would regret it because hell that person they help may take their spot next year so it's hard to get that information out of anybody and rightfully so you need to figure it if you can't figure out how to get in you don't have a chance out there it is funny how how it's gotten so big steve i think that the documentaries have helped in a way and i think people kind of like that that idea of pushing yourself beyond i mean so far beyond because it's it's Got it. The, the climbing, the the finding the books, and I I know people that will look at like Jamil Corey will put put videos up on the course of himself yeah. during Barkley, and people will analyze frame by frame oh, yeah. by frame and find that exact spot in Frozen Head and try and use that to find locations. And it's just there's so much data out there, and it's such a it's something where it's so secretive and you mention certain things and people get angry. It's, it's become this huge, huge thing. Do you see that ever disappearing? I know you couldn't do it this year because of COVID-19, but do you think there's some point where Laz is going to say like, okay, we're done. You know, he's um, not as young as he used to be. We're about the same age, actually. I think he'll do it as long as he enjoys it. And I know he enjoys it immensely now. So, uh, how many years? I, I don't know. It'll just be a sad day when when there's uh, no Barkley in the in the shape that we see it now. Right. And I love every year there's a different April Fool's joke about how the Barkley's <laughs> been sold to Lifetime yeah. Fitness. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so how does the Barkley Fall Classic come about then uh, with between okay, you and Laz? So, all right. So we're, we're again on a journey walk the way I remember it, and Gary may remember it differently. But I used to say, why don't you have a second Barkley Marathons? I mean, this was back when he was having to tell several of his good friends that, no, I'm sorry, I can't put you in this year. We've got too many people asking. So I was like, why don't you just have another one the next week I mean, or something like yeah. that? 40, that would give you 40 more people you could put in. And he just kind of chuckled like he, like he does sometimes. But uh, then it wasn't long after he said, hey, what do you think about us doing one in the fall? And he had already figured out all the details of a one day 50 K. But in the fall, September third weekend, September is when we do it. So I'm like, I'm all in. I think, I think it's awesome. So that's how really the Barclay Paul classic got started. We, uh, 
we had to try to just take it easy the first year because we wanted to get, you know, in without it being a, a big hassle. Uh, with the park over there, there was a there was a park manager at the time that wasn't real keen on on Laz. So uh, we had to step lightly. In fact, he tried to kill it uh, a month before before the race came on, and how we had to go to Nashville and get the, the governor almost to, <laughs> to intervene, the senator uh, senator for sure. But anyway, uh, since then uh, we've been able to embellish a little bit every year, make it make it uh, a little bit cooler every year. He, I know he thinks about it all the time. On what are we going to do next year? And, I'll make some suggestions, but truly there are suggestions. Laz is the man behind it, and I'm the I'm the backup guy, and that's that's fine with me. This year's course was is is unbelievably cool. If we're allowed to have it, you know, it's all going to come down to that. What when do you think you can make a decision on that? <sighs> Who knows? You know, we have about forty countries represented, probably close to a hundred overseas and. A lot of that depends on if they open the borders or not. Right. So a lot of planning goes in, all the social distancing. You know, Laz, I, I worry about him myself because he's probably in, considered in the high-risk category anyway. Don't tell him that, to, though. Yeah, I know, but he's <laughs> he's not he's not stupid. It's Strolling Jim. He stayed away. He stayed away from everyone. Yeah. And uh, we were all very careful at Strolling Gym, which which was good. So, I, so I, I don't know. I, I hope we can have it, but it's um, it's a really a wait and see. I really want to point out for a second. It's a, it's called the Barkley Fall Classic, and I know a lot of places um, in early September. Um, it's it's fall. You know, the temperatures drop and the leaves change color. Barkley Fall Classic is a name only. The fall does not begin in Tennessee until November. It is hot as balls every year at the Barkley Fall Classic. Have you had anybody uh, come from, you know, out of state, out of region, out of country, expecting fall-like temperatures only to be running in 85, 90 degrees with 90% humidity? Well, they should be get a little clue in the name uh, <laughs> but you, you never can tell i guess there could be a time in at frozen head in mid-september where you'd hit a cold spell well it just hasn't yeah. just hasn't happened <laughs> hasn't happened yet now you mentioned it's usually usually it's uh the hottest right when you're going up rat jaw and it's cutting you to shreds <laughs> You guys did do strolling gym this year, but you modified it, having only a certain number of runners, runners that lived nearby. Uh, So only a handful of people got the opportunity to do strolling gym. You did kind of a staggered start. How did that Mm -hmm. go this year for you? Well, uh, an abbreviated gym. In fact, we didn't count any of the, counted against anybody. There are people who have run it 33 years in a row and things like that. Uh, Dink Taylor out of, out of Huntsville. I'm sure you know him. Uh, So, we wanted we didn't want to make anybody upset in the area so and again gary is the one that came up with the guidelines we invited 33 people and we started them three minutes apart of course we had to start a lot earlier than normal i think at 527 instead of seven yeah and first first off was olaf uh wasternak yep. i'm sure you know i know Nashville. olaf he's awesome and uh so he started first, and and every three minutes we started another person. You know, for pack, uh, packet pickup, we had their shirt and a bib and pins. We just set it on a table, and we didn't allow anyone around until they were on deck. So they uh, we monitor, stay away, stay away, and then okay, next who's on deck, and they come up and get their stuff. They had to have a crew member too, because no aid stations this year, no jugs of water, nothing like that. So you couldn't enter. First of all, you had to be from local. Mm-hmm. Uh, an easy drive over, no overnight staying, camping, anything like that. We we uh, so he picked those geographically, and um, they picked up their bib, 
on deck, moved to the starting line, and boom, they were off and started the fastest people first to cut down on on uh, any kind of people catching up, you know, and grouping right. together. And so uh, it worked really well. It was hotter, hotter than normal, probably in the mid 80s. So really hot day. But that's that's Sterling Gym. Sterling Gym typically it's raining in the morning when you start, then it turns hot and it's sultry. Yep. So it was like that this year, except for not a cloud in the sky, and it really went well. The shirt was really cool because he had the coronavirus on the front of it. Yeah. yeah. It's Strolling Jim, and it said, "You know the year." <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, typical, great. typical Gary fashion. <laughs> One of the things I missed this year was we always go out and mark the course beforehand. All the cool sayings: uh, "Only wimps walk here." Right. Even my even my mother doesn't walk here, and she's eighty three. <laughs> uh, but of course, we have to change that that age every year. But just just the workmanship that goes in on the way out, it's uh, white lettering with red shadowing. Yep. And once you pass the halfway mark, it's red lettering with white shadowing. And he'd get on my butt about, why did you put the line on this side of the Y instead of that side of the Y if I didn't shadow it exactly right? So it took me about three years where I could learn uh, where he would trust me with the shadowing. But I, I really missed that. You know, it, like you said, if you tried to do what we do there, riding on the roads, Hell, they'd arrest you just about anywhere else. That's the truth. And over there, they come up and they go, hey, the race coming up again. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so so it's, it's really cool. I missed that part of it. I missed that part of it. So have you, are you responsible for any of the trash talk? Did you come up with any of the lines on the Sterling Gym oh, course? I can't remember what they were if I did. Uh, nothing so cool that I think of it now. We did the one about David Riddle. You know David, don't you? Yeah, one of the great, one of the great runners. He came to Sterling Gym with a real opportunity to challenge the course record, mm-hmm. and he was following the lead out policeman patrol car. And the, for some reason, the patrol car turned at the wrong spot and took him about a mile in the wrong direction. Holy! So crap. two miles altogether. So by the time he came back, that had pretty much dashed his hopes of setting any kind of record. So every year now, we ride on the road, arrows pointing which way to go, and we put David Riddle with an arrow pointing <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> so, so Dave, good, good thing he's um, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's got a good sense of humor about that. Now you you're yeah. offering you guys got money on the line. First of all, what what is the course record yeah. for men for Sterling? Uh, well, Andy Jones ran a 359.26, which is absurd. Uh, probably one of the great records uh, in ultra running. Um, the closest anyone has come since then was Zach Bevan here uh, last year. He missed it by, he, he set a couple of the split record mm. splits and uh, came up about, I, I'd have to look, maybe seven minutes short or something like that. But it's a hell of a tough record. I talked to uh, Pat Reagan uh, uh-huh. six months ago, maybe a year ago, and I asked him. I said, "You know, you're you're one of the the Beast Coast speedsters. I mean, you're a guy that. Yeah. I mean, you're you're breaking records. I mean, Pat is speed. Yeah. And I've asked him about yeah. like, do you have a desire to do strolling, Jim? And he said that is one of those stout records that I don't think I could that he could beat unless he had somebody pushing him." all day he wouldn't have a chance to do it if he was just out there by himself but if he had somebody pushing him he may have a chance and even then he wasn't sure yeah i think that hurt zach a little bit too and zach had never run more than a marathon before then so i think that played into it as well now this year we had six thousand dollars to the winner this year we had a group of kenyans that were going to come in and they were like two eleven marathoners so it was going to be um, quite exciting to watch this year to see if, if maybe one of those guys were going to get it. So is that the plan for next year to do the 2021 strolling gym and bring in some, some speedsters that have never run beyond 26.2? I, I, I don't know what we'll do next year. Um, we'll, we'll just have to see if we were going to push the 
prize money on up or if we would let it go or, or what. We haven't discussed uh, definitely what we're going to do about next year, but uh, it'd be cool. I always thought it'd be we thought it'd be cool if we could broadcast from the course back to the finish line. You know, a camera's following the leaders like they do in a lot of yeah. bike races like that or Boston, but we just never found the right um, media group or something to do that. But that'd be cool. Well, I could be your voice guy. Just let me know if you need me to to give those live on the scene reports, just give me a call. I'm only two hours away. You'd be excellent. If you could just come up with a camera to use too. I'll borrow my wife's iPhone. We'll just, we'll just make it work. (laughs) Steve, we'll make it work. Um, Maybe next year, give Carrie long, a, a long enough head start that he'll break the course record just by running his normal pace. Yeah. <laughs> Give him like four hour head start. And then you've got a new, yeah. you got a new course record. Yeah. I say that as I absolutely love uh, Carrie long, who's responsible for the theme song of the podcast, by the way. Okay. okay. Um, the, the virtual race, the great virtual race across Tennessee. Uh-huh. Well, okay. Whose idea was that? And how did that all come about? Okay. We're, kind of half-ass moping around about uh, canceling races and all that, especially me, because, you know, you're looking at six days in the dome. And are we going to be able to have that? Uh, Tunnel Hill, who yeah. knows? I um, already had to cancel Running to the Stars, and and uh, Strolling Gym was cut way back. So, actually, Brian from Run Sign Up, I've known him for several years. Yeah. He's kind of salesperson for them called me and just to see how I was doing, he goes, you know, some of these virtual races are doing well, but it takes somebody, uh, somebody like you or you and Laz or something like that to get it going. And I go, huh, that sounds, sounds cool. Let me talk to the Laz and see what he's thinking. So I sent him an email and I tell him kind of what Brian said. He thought if, if uh, he, if Laz and I, got together on a virtual race, it might do well. So I sent it to him and four minutes later, I get a response back and it says, I have just the race. And so, or Gary sends that back to yeah, me. I have just, yeah. I'm thinking, Hey, good deal. And I and actually one of the, I'm thinking, I wonder if he's thinking LazCon or I know we talked about running tip to tip, for Tennessee before the thousand K, but maybe that's it. Or maybe it, he's talking about thinking about, the, so I call him and we talk and, uh, and we said, let's, let's try it and let me get a hold of Dobies and see, cause Dobies, Mike Dobies keeps up with uh, the record keeping and yeah. spread and all that for Vol state, which is about 120 runners doing 10 days. So Gary, you know, we tell Brian at Run Sign Up we want to do it, and he goes, "Well, he wasn't sure about a multi day." He goes, "Well, you you might get fifty people." Yeah. That. And Gary's telling Dobies that, "Hey, uh, you know, it'd probably be a couple hundred people, maybe." And uh, so, first first emailed Laz at about eleven o'clock. By three thirty eight, we were open that same day. Yeah. Uh, and with the plan the way it is and so from there it just you know we sent out a thing on facebook and got a great response and it just started growing and we were on i run podcast in canada yeah uh maybe the second or third day and then uh, runner's world did a did a little article of, with gary and the next day was Reuters international so boom, it just went nuts. Uh, you know, six or seven hundred a day. It started to drop a little bit, and then it went to four thousand, then five thousand. So um, in a day. So I, it, it's crazy, and and just the technology involved has been amazing. That that the guys we have working for us can keep up with that. It, it's. Every day is a new, a new challenge and training, training us and training our runners because a lot of them, they don't, they wouldn't know a browser from a URL (laughs) or or, or a bookmark or watch, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad we said it's honor system. And so we weren't trying to train them all how to use Strava or something like that as well. I can imagine that being an issue and, 
it's really cool to think about this virtual run. And you have until until September 1st, correct? That's right. To finish yeah. a thousand kilometers over the summer. You can actually check your progress on the website and see where you are in Tennessee. Um, the last time I checked, it was 18,000 people were signed up for this race. You thought a couple hundred people would sign well, up. I knew. No, I, no, I didn't think 18,000 people say, would you have ever imagined that? Then yeah, I can imagine that a lot. Uh, <laughs> did I expect it? <laughs> did I expect it? No, but knowing that Laz has the presence with the backyard ultras, yeah. he, he was in like 30 or 35 countries with those. So you think it's kind of like the damn coronavirus you throw it in a few places and it just sticks and, and grows from there. So that's kind of, if you watch our curve registration curve, it looks like a damn coronavirus. It kind of goes long peaks and then starts slowing down and, and goes along on a plateau for a while. But um, really cool stuff, really hard. Whoever, you know, you have people out there that think, Oh, it's a virtual race. So, you don't have to do anything. The racetrack just stand back and they don't have to do anything because it's a virtual race. We've worked harder on this damn thing than any race I have because of all of the, I mean, we're in 75 countries. So I'm getting the contacts go through me because I'm kind of the customer service guy, carries the imagination and writing that everybody loves on Facebook and, and, and then we have the, the couple of tech guys, but, you know, I have to run it through a translator. A lot of times I know what in the world they're, they're saying, but um, it, it's really fun and really interesting. Right now we're working on, you know, five or four days ago, we still had 1200 people that were in the middle of the Mississippi river. They'd never started. <laughs> So, so plus we're getting about, you know, maybe a hundred or so signing up. So we have to start working on what do you guys need? Uh, here's a personal URL where you can skip all that drop down stuff. Just click on yeah. it and then start sharing your miles. That's been a big, a big help. Um, so we, we have that number down to about 600 that are still in the Mississippi still River. swimming in the Mississippi virtually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people signed up, I think, you know, that you, you don't know why we had, um, we had it set up where you could donate to feeding America. Yeah. And when I checked a little while ago, we were at like $91,000 for feeding America. Uh, the funny story about the first day that people started, you know, May 1st, people started, posting pictures of their dogs on Facebook with the little bib, bibs they had printed for them. So yeah. they had signed their, and actually I'd signed my two dogs up too. So what the <laughs> heck? And, uh, Gary was like, what's going on with all the, with these dogs on there? And, and, um, he got me on the phone and I'm like, well, why don't we just start a dog division? You know, we kind of decided that me and Sandra were on the phone and Gary was in the background and we just give all the money for registration to uh, animal shelters in need. So he liked that idea, and that's what we that's what we've done. So, with the registrations and with other donations to animal shelters in need, we're probably about twenty thousand dollars for that too. That's fantastic. And you see stories, really- Steve, about people pushing themselves and doing some big miles. There are some people doing some huge miles day in and day out that are probably halfway through the state right now virtually. But you also see people on the Facebook page that have never done anything close to this before and are really pushing themselves and really are going out of their comfort zone and putting those miles in. You need to do, you need to average like just over five miles a day uh, to Mm -hmm. do it. It's really inspiring to see these incredible stories. It's so cool. Actually, someone's going to finish and probably turn back in the morning. So somebody, they, they didn't catch the gingerbread man. He, he, he beat them. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, we get so many emails just thanking us. Thank you for doing this. They were just totally down. Um, and this has given them something to look forward to. It's really cool. So it's helping them physically and emotionally. And I think that's the most rewarding thing of all that people are happy about, happy about that. 
And when you think about it, they get four months worth of entertainment for 60 bucks. I mean, what kind of kind of value is that? Plus your shirt and your finishers award and all that. In fact, I have to send out, I'm going to start picking up the shirts on Thursday. Uh, I have to send out 14,000 t-shirts across the United States. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. You're going to have to bring a truck and load, put them yeah. all in the back and just yeah. Yeah. Yeah, get yeah. some help from the, from the postal worker and say, hey, I got 14,000 shirts I need to they don't want to see they don't want to see me uh, uh, so so you have to try to figure out to go through a postal service um system that where you can get print the postage yourself on labels and slap it on the bags yeah that's what i'm going to try to do and that'll keep me busy too besides answering emails 24 7 yeah i mean that if you figure um you can't just show up at the post office and wheel in that that guy the guy would hate you they would hit knock you in the head. For sure. <laughs> um, shifting gears for a second, and how awesome is that? Mm-hmm. Eighteen thousand people and so much money raised for charity. One of the races I love of yours, Steve, is the Tunnel Hill races, and this mm-hmm. marathon, fifty miler, hundred miler. It's in Vienna. Mm-hmm. I've been. I've, I used to say Vienna, but it's Vienna, Illinois. Nope, it's Vienna. Vienna, got it wrong again. Vienna, you Illinois. Would think it was, it would, you think it would be Vienna, like. Uh, but it's Vienna. You can tell if you're a local or not. Yeah. Say bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a local. It's about two hours right. from where I'm at. Yeah. But yeah. It's it's yeah. huge, Steve. And you, and you have mm-hmm. your runners of of all abilities. You have you've had records broken there. You Zach mm-hmm. Bitter set the record there. Camille Heron uh, set a record there. It's a fast mm-hmm. course. It's a beautiful course. Mm-hmm. But what I love yeah. about it is you have hundreds, hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. doing all the races, but yet, Steve, you're always there at the finish line and you're always, mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be exhausting as a race director, something that big. And you're not, you're not a hands-off race director at that race. You're very oh. involved with, especially yeah. the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you work so hard to get things ready and you're really exhausted by the time the thing starts, but that's when you're meeting everybody for at packet pickup and such and they're so happy to be there and they're so nice that you owe it to them to, to be there for them as well. So no, I'm not, I don't sleep at all during, um, during tunnel hill. I stay up for probably 48 straight hours, but I want to be there. I, if something comes up, I want to know, and I, I want to congratulate people and the volunteers are there and they're working. So can't do anything without them. But Tunnel Hill is a special, a special place, and and uh, it's something that's really cool because the community is so far behind it. And when they tell you things like, you know, you're the you're the best thing that's happened to this place in a hundred years, you you feel like you you owe it to them to give as you know your a hundred percent. Anything less than that's really cheating uh, the race and everybody that comes to see you there. What's well, so but funny? You talked about. We talked about fast. Yeah. Uh, when I started the race, everybody was doing muddy buddies, tough mutters. This is Barkley-esque. This is the hardest race in the, in the country. And nobody was talking fast. So I thought, hell, I'm going the opposite. I don't want to try to compete with all these other races. So I said, how fast do you want to run? That's pretty much been, has been my slogan from the start. And I knew it was, would be a fast course, and people uh, in the area would say, you need to take it up to the top of this ridge. It's, uh, it's the prettiest site in the county. I, I, I don't want to go up a hill. I want it to be fast. Right. And the, the very first year, Tracy Falbo sets an American record, if you're allowed to call it that, uh, fastest time on a trail for 100 miles for women. So that kind of put us on the map right away. And um, then we – had the course certified, which was a good move and, and USATF sanctioned because Camille kind of jumped in at the last minute in 2017 and set the world record and destroyed the world record yeah. by 63, 63 minutes. And then Zach, the very next year, came and set the world's fastest off-road 100 with his 1208. So I, I'm very fortunate that we've had some really good – Mike Bialik wins every year uh, – uh, outside of Camille and and Zach, and he's Mister Consistent, always just under thirteen hours. We've just been really lucky, and and uh, thanks to the great volunteers and community support, it continues to grow. It's a great 
first 50 mile or 100 mile for so many people or or a record setting for yeah. so many people. Because it's it's such a it's such a friendly course, and you're right, the city does just totally embrace that. And I think people get an idea of Illinois in their head, and they think Chicago. Yeah. I think if you've never been to Illinois, especially Southern Illinois, it's not mm-hmm. Chicago. Southern Illinois is essentially the South. It is a very small town. There's a Dollar General there, but when you get this race in, you've got hundreds of people all mm-hmm. spending money in that town. It's awesome to have a race like that where you know the town is behind you, and it kind of they they take ownership of it. You can tell they're excited race weekend. Yes. Uh, you know, we try to do that. Uh, if you notice when you were at Land Between the Lakes, uh, the time you were there, yeah. uh, Grand River's population 323, and we were bringing in as many as 900 people there. And we do it at a time of the year when uh, it helps them economically. Uh, anytime I tr- we looked at a race uh, – those were the considerations we tried to where we could work with the community at a time when they needed the help and we want everyone to be happy uh you don't just swoop in and grab the money and go you uh everybody's happy then then you can grow a race and and continue to do well as long as you put everything into it has there been a moment especially at tunnel hill have you witnessed an incredible finish. And I'm not talking Camille's finish and Zach's uh-huh. finish was magical. And I love that Camille had a beer like two miles before, like she drank a beer <laughs> two miles before she broke the world record, which I think is fantastic. Is there any finishes that stick out to you as something that you knew it was a big deal for the person finishing more than just oh, the regular finish? You would not, you'd have to be there to watch and especially kind of later, but it happens the whole night where people come in and they're literally crying. They're so happy because they've accomplished something that they thought was impossible, not that long before. So that really does get to you. In fact, my brother, the first time he was over there, and he's directed races and timed races for years, he'd never seen um, a 100-miler before. And um, it, he said, wow, I see why you really like this. Um, that's really emotional but yeah uh every race is really every finisher is special and so that's 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 another reason why you want to be around to see it you just hate to to not watch them come in when they walk and they come in and their kids run up and hug them or their wife hugs them or their husband hugs them you know or they come across and propose to somebody that it's it's really cool it's really cool to be a part of, of someone's life like that and to be that 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 life-changing moment that you're right, you're talking yeah. about how they never thought they could do it you know, six That's months right. ago and they do something supernatural that they thought would never happen. Mm-hmm. What's what's yeah, next? We- D- Derb, what are, you, what are you kicking around your noodle that you're working <laughs> on for when the world goes back to normal? <laughs> well, um, you know, I keep thinking that I'm going to uh, cut something back. Uh, every year, I, I finally learned to say, uh, no, or at least, uh, I don't know, <laughs> because <laughs> that was my, that was my drawback before I, I want to help if I can. Uh, and, but you can spread yourself too thin. You don't want to dilute what you're doing. So, you know, I don't know. I, um, I thought I was going to kick things back a little and I wound up picking up six days in the dome cause my good friend, Joe Fee just asked me and Tracy asked me to do it. So that was a challenge. I'll talk about directing for a hundred miler in 48 hours. Well, how about nine, eight days? Cause six days in the dome and a 48 hour wait. Well, you, you're going to have to go to sleep. Well, <laughs> so, t- tell me about that. When is uh, six days in the dome? When are you guys planning on doing that? And where are you planning on doing that? I know there's been talk okay, about doing it in so- the Pettit center. Yeah, so last year was the first year, and it was at the Pettit National Ice Center in Milwaukee. That's the place where they have the Olympic speed skating trials. So if you've watched it on TV, that's where it is. They have a 400-meter oval with two hockey full-size hockey rinks in the the middle, and around the ice oval is a running surface that the Wisconsin Badgers put in. It's about as wide as two regulation – outdoor lane so it's not really wide but it's perfect the temperature is about 55 degrees and the humidity about 30 percent and it's maintained that so 
So perfect place for a six day because it's not going to rain. It's not going to be windy. None of those things. Um, so yeah, we started last year and Joe wanted to make a run at his, uh, six day world record of 606 miles. And, uh, I know, isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah. And, uh, then Zach signed on to go try to break the world record there, uh, as part of a 24 hour. And, you know, he, he destroyed it. Eleven nineteen. The old record was eleven twenty eight. A lot of people thought that that couldn't be broken. Yeah, that, that killed it there. So this year is scheduled for July twenty third through August first. We had uh, added a Thursday day, and it was Thursday, and it was going to be just for elites twenty four hours. And uh, we're starting to get some fast people sign up, but then this you know, virus, what are you going to do? We just put everybody on a wait list and it's truly wait and see. We have some super fast runners that want to try for the 50 K world record. So we were going to add a, a little three hour event to kick it off and just have a very limited field. Uh, so it, it just strictly depends on COVID-19 on whether we're going to be able to have it or not. We, we sure hope we can. We're in constant contact with uh, the Pettit Center, and they're all in. They want to have it, so it, it's we, we just have to see. Well, fingers crossed. And I mean, it seemed to have the yeah. golden touch. If you have to do it virtually and have Zach Bitter run in his <laughs> living room, that might. <laughs> what did you think of Wardian uh, in that virtual oh, backyard? That's pretty awesome. Pretty pretty awesome. I you know I knew he was a hell of a runner, but I would not have picked him to win that. But uh, I'd love to see Michael Wardian run uh, any of the races we're in. Um, I'm talking to him uh, tomorrow, so I'll bring that up. Mm-hmm. I'll pass oh, yeah. him. Your, I'll pass him your number, Steve. Yeah, do that. <laughs> we got a good spot for him at the dome or Tunnel Hill. Either one. We'd love to have him. Well, Steve, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. When you launch a new podcast and sometimes you reach out to people, they go like, eh, I don't know if I want to be on the first couple episodes. And I really appreciate <laughs> you returning my calls and, and being on. Yeah. No, you've been really good to us, and I appreciate you coming over to Land Between the Lakes that time and hanging around and, and just seeing you. It's always good to see you, Ryan. Always good to see you too, Steve, and I know Stafford and I are talking about uh, maybe uh, coming up and seeing you at Tunnel Hill working an aid station or something, so I'll get, I'll get back hey, to that, you. That'd be really cool. That, that would be awesome. We are 100% listener-supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 